Sapasha hastam stream drishtra Purushan oti darunan Vakratundan uva rumatna Atmanam netum agatan Sapasha hastam stream drishtra Purushan ati darunan, Vakratundan urva rumna, Atmanam netum agatan, Dure kridanakasatam, Putam narayana vayam, Plavitena, Sarenochchaya. Ajuhava Kulendriya. Saha, Saha. That person. person. Ajamya. Pashaha Stan. Having ropes in their hands. hands. Train. Three. 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 Dristra. Seeing. Purushan. Persons. Atidarunan. Very fearful in their features. Vakra Tundan with twisted faces. Urdva Rumna with hair standing on the body. Atmanam the self. Natum to take away. Agatan arrived. Dure a short distance away. Kridanaka. Asaktum engaged in his play. Putram his child. Narayana Ahvayam named Narayana. Klavitena with tearful eyes. Sarena with his voice. Which child very loudly. Ajuhava called Akula Indriya, being full of anxiety. Translation Ajamila, 
then saw three awkward persons with deformed bodily features, fierce, twisted faces, and hair standing erect on their bodies. With ropes in their hands, they had come to take him away to the abode of Yamaraj. When he saw them, he was extremely bewildered, and because of attachment to his child, who was playing a short distance away, Ajamila began to call him loudly by his name. Thus, with tears in his eyes, he somehow or other chanted the holy name of Narayana. Purport. A person who performs sinful activities performs them with his body, mind, and words. Therefore, three order carriers from Yamaraja came to take Ajamila to Yamaraja's abode. Fortunately, even though he was referring to his son, Ajah, fortunately, even though he was referring to his son, Ajamila chanted the four syllables of the Hari Nam Narayana. And therefore, the order carriers of Narayana, the Vishnu Dutas, also immediately arrived there. Because Ajamila was extremely afraid of the ropes of Yamaraja, he chanted the Lord's name with tearful eyes. Actually, however, he never meant to chant the holy name of Narayana. He meant to call his son. Translation again. Ajamila then saw three awkward persons with deformed bodily features, fierce, twisted faces, and hair standing erect on their bodies. With ropes in their hands, they had come to take him away to the abode of Yamaraja. When he saw them, he was extremely bewildered. And because of attachment to his child, who was playing a short distance away, Ajamila began to call him loudly by his name. Thus, with tears in his eyes, he somehow or other chanted the holy name of Narayana. Om again, Chimadandasya, again, Anjana, Shalakaya, Chakshur, Militang, Yena, Tazmai, Sri Gurumena, Maha. Jai, Sri Krishna, Chaitanya, Prabhu, Nitananda, Sri Advaita, Gadadha, Sri Vasavi, Gaur, Bhakta, Vrinda. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, 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 Hare Hare. Hare Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. The functionings of material nature are very precise and exact. The amazing thing is that we are so unknowing and so covered over. Why is that? At the beginning of this chapter, in the chapter summary, Srila Prabhupada writes that the basic principle of material suffering is the false sense of independence from material nature. The false sense that we are aloof from the actions and reactions of material nature. And we have some kind of independence. This is the basic principle of suffering. In this history of a job meal, you see 
various reactions all coming together at once in a such a precise way. Ajamila committed sinful activities with his body, with his mind, and with his words. Therefore, three Yamadutas came. Similarly, somehow, Ajamila chanted the holy name of Narayana, four syllables, and therefore four Vishnu Dutas came. Such precision in events, such precision in these happenings seems to us to be phenomenal. But that is the way of existence. Everything is calibrated minutely down to a detail. Let us consider Ajamil's past. He was born in a pious Brahmana family. Not a pure Vaishnava family, but a family that mixed Brahmana piety, punya, with some Vishnu worship. As Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, the fate of someone who is unsuccessful in bhakti after a short time of performing bhakti. In their next life, they take birth in a family of pious brahmanas or a very wealthy family. Shuchinam Srimatam Gehe Yoga Brashtapachayat. So even though Ajamil hadn't taken birth in a family of pure Vaishnavas, nevertheless, his background, his family background was of piety with some focus on Lord Narayana. Not pure, but with the desire to live a nice life, go to the heavenly planets, all by the mercy of Narayana. So, because the family was cultured, a cultured Brahmana family, they sent their son to the Gurukula. That was considered normal for advanced sections of the society. Now, of course, that's considered horrendous. <laughs> Why should you have a child trained at such a young age to control the senses and be immersed in Shastric knowledge? No, our child should be trained for the Yuga Dharma. What's that? Who knows? Our child should be trained for IT. <laughs> or at least an accountant. But <laughs> Guru But no, Ajamila, his history occurred at a time when there was real human civilization. So therefore his parents, although not pure Vaishnavas, they were mixed. They wanted some material advancement, material happiness, but in a refined way, not in a Rajaguna, Tamaguna way, not in a way of motive, passion, and ignorance, as, what we, as is what we call enjoyment and happiness today. 
No, they wanted refined Vedic happiness. <laughs> mm. As the qualifications or the qualities of motor goodness are described in Bhagavad Gita, it's peacefulness, all the senses are illuminated with knowledge, you know what to do, what not to do. There's some serenity, tranquility, not so much hankering and lamenting like in passion and ignorance. So Ajamil went to the Gurukula and one day his spiritual master ordered him to go get some firewood for a yagya. Typical. But on the way back with the firewood, Ajamil saw a very disturbing sight. A sight that would be considered kindy these days. Just elementary, just infantile, a normal every moment occurrence. He saw a low-class woman and man embracing and hugging and so forth outside in public. How many of you would be shocked to see that today? <laughs> I was, yesterday I went for, was it yesterday? The day before yesterday I went for a walk on the beach right near here and went out on the, what do you call the thing that juts out into the water? Yeah. Pier. I walked out onto the pier and yes, there was a couple doing what a Jamil saw. And of course, no, everyone, no one objected. In fact, most persons I could see were thinking, oh, how nice. <laughs> as if, and I was thinking, as I was chanting, or no, I was listening to Prabhupada lecture. As I walked by, I was thinking, the curtain of Maya is so great that this couple thinks that because they're doing doing these things in public, uh, seated on a bench, there's a special flavor. <laughs> but what does Prahlad Maharaj explain in Seven Canta? Sukham Aindriyakam Daicha Deha Dehidam Yogi. The flavor, the rasa, is the same whether human being or cat or dog. Same flavor. But the human beings are thinking, we're seated on a bench on the pier, the sea breezes, the ocean, how nice. And we're exchanging intimacies on the, while we're seated on the bench and people are around. It's all such a wonderful scene, <laughs> like in the movies. So this is considered normal these days. And if you would object, people would be horrified. <laughs> How can you criticize such tender moments? Even though, and in fact, it's better that these tender moments are expressed in public. That adds to the, the excitement. And isn't that what life is all about? But in Ajamil's time, this is considered horrible. Extremely unusual and upsetting. So Ajamil saw this as he's coming back with the firewood. And 
He tried to get this scene out of his mind. But he couldn't. He tried to remember the Shastra, his Gurukula training. Imagine what a Jamila would, how he would respond today. <laughs> when you have a smartphone, you have a laptop, and you can bring the depths of Kali Yuga into your own private realm, while meanwhile pretending to be very pious and very religious, but in your own privacy, you can just browse the, the worst hellish situations so easily and no one ever knows what to speak of when you walk outside or walk on city streets, what you see. Often this, the book distributor devotees, especially if they're young men, they like the warm weather of summertime for distribution, but in another way, they don't like summertime because they wish that people would put on some clothes on the streets. <laughs> so that's normal these days. But the job meal was provoked by this unusual scene. And he tried to fight back with his mind, but he couldn't get that couple out of his mind, especially the girl who was indulging in that way. In the course of time, Ajamil had even married to a nice Brahmana girl. But in spite of his marriage to a nice Brahmana girl, he still couldn't get that girl out of his mind that he saw. The Shastra says a low-class girl, but if we say that these days, people get angry. Why, so, why are you being judgmental? Are you being masochist, sexist, calling a girl low-class just because she's showing affection in public? <laughs> right? It'll be like that. <laughs> so the Shastra says Shudrani, low-class woman, but we'll just say one of the members of the couple. <laughs> Jamil couldn't get her out of his mind. Even though married, set up so nicely for a mode of goodness, Brahmana lifestyle, he left his Brahmana wife and moved in with that girl he saw on the park bench, engaged in intimacies. She was actually, again, someone that in today's so-called culture, you can't refer to in a disparaging or a judgmental or condemning way. The Shastra says prostitute, but we'll have to say what, night worker. <laughs> so Ajamil moved in with her. and had 10 children from her. Even he was 80 or 88 years old and he continued having children. And that's the son he named Narayan, the number 10 son when Ajamil was in his 80s. He had spent decades 
committing criminal activities to maintain his family, his, his lady of bad behavior, and the children conceived of her. Ajamil would commit crimes. And the Shastra points out that he was also condemnable because of eating food cooked by her. In other words, if you eat food cooked by a sinful person, your consciousness becomes even more contaminated. So Ajamil was committing sinful activities right, left, and center. He was committing crimes to support the family. He was eating the food cooked by such a low-quality spouse. He was having children even though he's in his 80s. No question of Vanaprastha. <laughs> and so now he's dying. And who is coming at his moment of death? The Yamadutas. And you read, you hear their description. They're terrifying. Literally, they scare you to death. So part of the dying of a person living a material life is their body is breaking down and so they're dying because of that. Or, but also, they're scared to death. Not simply the body is breaking down from disease or being experiencing some violence from someone else. Besides the body breaking down, you're so terrified upon seeing the Yamadudas that you're terrified to death. So this is what's going on in this verse. Now we might say, well, can we really believe this? But what do we really know about material nature? We operate in such ignorance. I was hearing my godbrother Borijan Prabhu describe a situation that happened during one lecture by Srila Prabhupada in Los Angeles, where Prabhupada mentioned that in the universe there are giant birds that can fly from one planet to another, and midway in space they can lay eggs. <laughs> also, somewhere in the Bhagavatam, it's mentioned about birds that can carry away elephants. So, when Prabhupada finished his lecture and asked for questions, one, you could say brave person or foolish person, raised his hand and asked a question that probably was on everyone's mind, but very few wanted to ask it or knew how to ask it properly. But you see, for Srila Prabhupada, He's taking into account many angles, the consciousness of the person who asked the question, as well as the audience. And sometimes his answers are laser-like intended for the person who asked the question, and sometimes aiming, he would aim his answer at the general audience, 
and sometimes both, it's hard to categorize or analyze the behavior of someone who is in pure love of Krishna. The Shastra always tells us that. So this person asked the question, <clears throat> about the birds that fly from one planet to another and lay eggs that hatch mid-flight, are we really to believe this? So Prabhupada looked at him and just very powerfully said, what do you know? You are still in the womb of your mother. <laughs> just think about it. What do you know? But I mean, I know a lot. I know IT, I know accounting. <laughs> I've set up my own business. <laughs> We have this arrogance, this pride. No doubt, Srila Prabhupada detected something in this questioner's consciousness. And so he gave him such a strong answer. The person, a few months later, disappeared into the material energy and even years later, couldn't get that out of his mind. So sometimes devotees say, oh, Prabhupada was very soft, very gentle. Yes, but also, as the Shastra says, soft as a rose and as strong as a thunderbolt. Responding in whatever way is best for Krishna's pleasure. So we may think that this description of the Yamadudas is too much for us to buy into. Hindu folklore that your grandmother would, used to tell you. <laughs> but what do we know? The fact is, we'll have to change this body. <clears throat> and what will our next body be? We live in a civilization that doesn't care about what the next body will be. It's not on anyone's agenda. It's not on their worry list. What everyone is thinking is how to get the most out of this life, how to express myself, how to use my talents, use my skills, how to feel fulfilled, how to feel that I've done something meaningful, and then I just die. What do you think? Is that the kind of life you want? I've exercised my talents. I've used my skills. I've risen a little bit on the corporate ladder. <laughs> my business did okay. My children are all going to the uni. I don't know what they're doing at the uni, but they're going there. <laughs> They say they're, at night they're studying at the library. <laughs> That's what I tell my parents back in India. My children are going to the uni. They come home late because they're studying at the library. It all sounds so nice. <laughs> 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 
But as for what the next body will be, who thinks of that? Why should we care? So this is not human civilization. <clears throat> Bhagavatam is opening our eyes to things far beyond the range of our senses. So the Yamadudas have appeared and they're scaring Ajamila to death. But Ajamila, some or other, uttered the, the four syllables, Narayana. Why did he do that? A remnant of his good fortune from his mixed background of Karmakanda and Bhakti. You see, this sixth chapter, excuse me, this sixth canto of Bhagavatam has the theme known as protection. Protection of the devotees. So who is being protected? Who are the devotees in the sixth canto who are being protected? The first one is Ajamil. He had a mixed devotional background and still Krishna is arranging for his protection. You'll also read about Indra, who in spite of his offense to his spiritual master, is protected. You'll read about Vitrasara, who was Chitraketu, a devotee, a devotee who made fun of Lord Shiva, seated with his wife, Parvati, on his lap. Chitraketu was cursed, as you know, and took birth as a demon, Petrasura. But Petrasura, as you know, was the greatest devotee. So Chitraketu was protected in that way. So you might ask, how will you be protected? That's why Chaitanya Charitamrita says, Kali Kale Namarupe Krishna Avatar. In this age of Kali, Krishna comes to you as Namarupa, the form of the holy name. That is our protection. You'll hear how the Yamadudas are astonished to see the Vishnu Dudas. What are you? They're in, in familiar colloquial language. Basically, although expressed more eloquently, the Yamadudas are saying to the Vishnu Dudas, what are you guys doing here? <laughs> or perhaps we would say in devotee lingo, what are you Prabhu's doing here? <laughs> we use the word Prabhu, but <laughs> we use it in such a way that it's devoid of its original meaning of master. Because <laughs> what you're actually saying is, what are you masters doing here? <laughs> but no, you don't mean it like that. What are you Prabhu's doing here? <laughs> So that's the reaction of the Yamadutas. You all are so beautiful. And this is such a contaminated place. We're surrounding a dying sinful man who lived with a prostitute and had children from her, ate her food, committed crimes to support her. 
So what are you doing here? Four of you. How had Ajamil managed to attract the Vishnu to this? He wasn't referring to Narayana, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. He was referring to his son. He was attached to his little son, his youngest child. So this as Srila Prabhupada will point out, is one of the advantages of having a spiritual name. That you'll remember it at the time of death and others, even if they call out to you, they'll be chanting a spiritual sound vibration, which is for your benefit. So that's what Ajamil did. Narayana! Narayana! He's calling out to his son. And actually, he had been chanting Narayana before he died, but he was just referring to his son. But somehow, Ajamila managed to chant without offense. He was not committing sins on the strength of the holy name. He was just calling out to his son. He wasn't calculating, I'm committing sinful activities in the worst way, but I'm chanting the name Narayana, therefore my sinful activities will be minimized. That's very, that's the greatest offense, to commit sinful activities on the strength of the Holy Name. He wasn't doing that. He had forgot about Narayana, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, completely. And he was just calling his son, that's all. Some or other he was impelled to name his son Narayan. That was his greatest fortune, it turns out. But that's not enough. Not only does he call his son Narayan, but at the time of death, he calls out to his son. But the Vishnu Dutas note, at the time of death, you have chanted the holy name, we're coming. Even though you were calling your own son, that's all. And you've managed to chant without offense. You're not chanting, wishing to receive some absolution to your sins. You're not chanting. Some other Ajamil, you see, was so terrified, he just called out Narayan, free of any baggage. He chanted without any baggage, without any ulterior motives. This may be a little hard for us to understand. Don't try to imitate. Don't think you're going to spend your whole life performing materialistic activities, what to speak of very simple activities, and then at the time of death, you call out to your, your little son, Oh, Govinda! And then you go back to God. <laughs> Ajamila was a special case, and you can't gamble based on that. And why should you gamble? Why should you take the risk? Why not spend the whole life in Krishna's service?
I was telling one devotee who, was, who just departed a few days ago in New Zealand that you might wonder, what if at the time of leaving my body, I'm physiologically and psychologically so disturbed due, the, due to the derangement of the life airs? What if I can't fix my mind on the lotus feet of Krishna? What will become of me? I'll have spent a lifetime in devotional service, but it'll all be ruined because at the final moment, I'm so disturbed by my body functions, I can't chant, I can't remember Krishna. What will become of me? So Srila Prabhupada explained that, explained how affectionate Krishna is to his devotee. He said, a real devotee will remember Krishna at the time of death. But even in the case of you're being so disturbed that you can't focus on Krishna at your last moment, Krishna will force himself into your mind in appreciation of all the service you've done. So yes, as stated in the beginning of the second canto, ante narayana smriti, the highest perfection of life is not the development, it's not economic development, it's not the development of mystic powers, it is not the accumulation of bias activities, the highest achievement in life is to remember narayan at the last moment. Somehow or other, Ajamil managed to call out the name Narayana, referring, completely referring only to his son. But this is the result of having some kind of Vaishnava background, some taint, some mixture. What to speak of? If you have a solid, pure Vaishnava background, what is your great fortune? Incalculable. We were speaking in the beginning about how precise is nature, the laws of nature are much more precise than any governmental law. Just like we're experiencing with the virus. We have to take so many precautions. It's so inconvenient. We just want to be free, right? Who wants to wear masks? Who wants to be so concerned? But then you hear, oh, someone in the congregation some children, some adults have contracted the virus. Now I should be careful. But unless it happens right in front of your eyes, you don't care. <laughs> it's like the signs in Delhi, you know, on the main roads, lane driving. <laughs> Everyone knows. <laughs> Who cares? Who pays attention? <laughs> so normally we're like that. We don't want to be restricted. 
lane driving, mask wearing, distances between persons. We don't want to be bothered with that. We want to be free. <laughs> free of all restraints, free of all inhibitions. Just like so many young men who come from India to study in Melbourne, they tell me, they confess that one of the things they're hoping for when they come to Australia is they can experiment with Australian life without the parents knowing. It's more free, they say. <laughs> they tell me, we won't go as far as the Aussies. We won't go that deep into it. But we want to just see what it's like. A little meat eating, some intoxication, find some girls. We can't do that at home because grandmother is watching. <laughs> and out of respect for our parents, we won't do that at home in India. But we are in Australia now. We are in Melbourne. And it's normal. We'll move in. We'll live in. We'll live with some girls. And what will we tell our parents? No, this is just an arrangement to save rent money. <laughs> and the parents, oh yes, saving rent money, very good. <laughs> so we want to be free. But you can't be free in material existence. What is the real virus, the real pandemic? Material existence. And in this age of Kali, there's only one vaccine. <laughs> That's the name of Krishna. Kali Kale Namarupe Krishna. But my point is that recognize this desire in you to be free. You don't want to be inhibited. Just like I see, you know, you're struggling with your mask, oh, it slips down, oh, put it back up, oh, who's watching? Oh, I'll put it under my nose, no one will say anything. <laughs> oh, someone's looking. <laughs> put it back up. <laughs> Arjun Saka is watching. <laughs> will he say something? I'll sit where he can't see me. <laughs> I want to come to Bhagavatam class. Well, why can't I just come to class and not worry about these masks and this and that and so on and so forth? This is our nature. To want to operate in the material world free of restriction. But that's not the way the machine of material nature works. Sometimes the Shastra describes material nature as a machine and the body as a machine also. There are reactions, there are consequences. So again, if we look at the beginning of this chapter, I was quoting it earlier, <clears throat> the chapter summary. <clears throat> Mm -hmm. 
Let's see if I can find it quickly. this paraphrase as I did in the beginning the basic principle of suffering think about that the basic principle of suffering is the sense of false independence from the laws of material nature whenever someone says that they can conquer the laws of nature or Ignore the laws of nature. We should know that you're listening to a fool. You're not listening to an advanced human being. Fools think they have surpassed the laws of nature. The illusory energy gives them some room to think like that, and then their pride is always crushed. As an individual or as a society. So we can appreciate that people want to be free. We should appreciate that. That's the natural expression of the spirit soul. But it can't happen. Freedom cannot happen as long as we think we're the body and mind and act in that way. So you're seeing a Jamil. In spite of his acting whatever way he wanted, he has to pay the price. It's just that he found the only loophole, and it was unconscious. His, he wasn't aware that he had discovered the only loophole. He was calling out to his son, but he, his son was named Narayan. So we have the loophole at, available 24-7. We know about it. And we have the great responsibility to help others to know about it. I was speaking to some guests who are actually beginning or budding devotees at the house of Brahmakund and Bhakti Latan Sri. A nice program. Just four or five. Australians and I could see they wanted to make spiritual advancement and they were coming to grips with what a regulated life means as Krishna says in the second chapter of Bhagavad Gita the regular principles of freedom. How can rules and regulations make you free? But when you're sick, the doctor gives you rules and regulations. Not to harass you, but so you'll get well. So we have this natural tendency to want to throw off all inhibitions, rules and regulations. get far away from anything that will interfere with our own agenda. I know some devotees from 
Ahmedabad, but they're living in Japan now. Why do you think they're living in Japan? Well, he said, well, for... They must have a good job there. Yes. But there's another reason. Who can, who can say? They want to get away as far as possible. They want to get away from their family scene in Gujarat because they say all we do when we're there is go to a wedding every weekend. <laughs> it's expensive. It takes too much time. But now we live in Japan, we can always say, oh, it's so difficult coming from Tokyo to Ahmedabad. <laughs> or else, the wife wants to get away from who? <laughs> yes, everyone knows. And what can the husband do? He, as one devotee in Canberra was telling me, a mantra I never heard before, but you probably heard it all the time. Happy wife is the only way for a happy life. So, you move to Japan and then there'll be some peace. So we're always thinking how to have a better life. And a better life means free to express myself. This is especially so prominent in the Western world. In India, still you have a sense of duty. I have a duty to my parents, I have a duty to my grandparents, duty to my children. That's corroding very quickly though. And in the Western world, what is your duty? You only have a duty to your senses. Your duty is to please your senses whatever way you want, and that's life. Whereas, I often explain, in India, you're always concerned, what are others thinking about me? And in the West, you don't care a bit for what others think. It's what I want, and everyone will approve of that. And yes, this is affecting India now also. Your own choices. Be you. Be there for you. <laughs> and what will material nature say? How will material nature respond? We're talking freedom, but material nature has countless reactions for us. So Ajamil is seeing that. <coughs> The whole debate between the Yamadudas and Vishnududas will take place while Ajahnmail is in an unconscious state. So we'll talk more about that tomorrow. All right, any questions? Yes. Where is Bhava? Bhava Bhati. 
Look what happened. Look how he's protected. A little bit of devotional background causes him to name his son a, a Narayan. And some other he was able to chant without offense. That's Bhavagrahi, Janardana. That's why this sixth canto is themed protection. Yes, Bhakti Lata. Mm -hmm. Ajahnya, you chanted with feelings, and you didn't have the right intentions and just chanted. Definitely didn't have the right intention. But you had the feelings, like the desperation. That had a feeling of calling out to his son in desperation. He wasn't calling for the Supreme Personality of Godhead. He's calling his son in desperation. He's seeing the Yamadutas. They're scaring the hell out of him. He's terrified. But he wasn't calling the Supreme Personality Godhead. He's calling his son. But it was noted he said the name of Narayana. <clears throat> without offense, and especially he said it at the moment of death. One devotee in the USA, telling his Bhadrinarayan Maharaj, was telling me about his father's passing. Some other, the family had gathered there for the, at the hospital for the the father's final moments. They didn't know exactly when. The father's laying in a hospital bed surrounded by all kinds of machines and wires. And so somehow or other, the family stepped out and left the devotee with his father. And all of a sudden at that moment, the, the alarms on the equipment that his father was wired to, started going off, meaning this is the last moment. So the devotee roared into, yelled into his father's ear, because as you're leaving the body, your hearing is the last sense that remains functioning. Dad, this is it, this is it. Say Krishna, say Krishna. <laughs> and his father, some other man, just Krishna and then dies. <laughs> and then the fa family comes racing in, his brothers and sisters, non-devotees. Like, oh my God, he's gone. And you were here alone with him. You must be traumatized. Let's, maybe we should go for a walk outside the hospital with you and try to help you over this. So the Maharaj just told them, I've got no issues. <laughs> 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 he was in ecstasy. His father chanted the name of Krishna at his last breath. <laughs> you read about this in the Bhagavatam in one purport where Prabhupada is expressing his devotional ecstasies. How, this is back in the 70s, I remember it. One devotee's mother was leaving her body and, but it wasn't known when she was going to leave. So she 
as she lay in the hospital bed, she asked her son, who was a devotee, just an American lady, asked her son, is your Krishna here with me now? Gone. She died. So Prabhupada writes in the purport that, just see how potent the bhakti lifestyle is. The mother of a devotee who practiced nothing about bhakti, inquired about Krishna with her dying breath. So what to speak of someone who spends their whole life in Krishna's service, even when the body is so deranged and it seems that the, perf- that the devotee is forgetting Krishna, Krishna reciprocates. He forces himself into your mind. He can do that. He's not, he's, he's a reciprocating. Bhavagrahi, he's reciprocating the affection of his devotees. Anything else? Yes? Um, Maharaj, like hearing about the history of Ajamil, uh, it does give us a lot of hope when we hear about Ajamil. But like you said, uh, like it, it might, I don't know if it applies to our life because we also hear every morning we can like Kirtanam. So if we are infested with the offenses, it is very difficult to get that Krishna frame, which is the ultimate goal of the chanting, and which will then take us back to Krishna's lotus feet. So in Ajamil's case, like he chanted without offenses, but he had also, for example, rejected his wife who was a brahmana, his parents he had kicked out of his house. So those were some of the offenses he had done in his life, isn't it? So how do we reconcile our life against Ajamil's life and what goal we will get from our chanting? Somehow or other, Ajamil was chanting without offense. So our goal is to chant without offense. And Krishna will appreciate our efforts. Just like when your children seek to obey you, you appreciate, yes? <laughs> At least they're trying. You give them credit for trying. They may not do everything perfectly the way you want, but. <laughs> so Krishna is not cruel. We have this idea that Krishna is some kind of torturer. He dangles bhakti in front of us, which is so sweet, but makes it impossible for us to attain. Right? We have this idea that Krishna is very cruel. Whereas Durga is very merciful ma. <laughs> she gives material opulence. What does Krishna give? He just dangles bhakti in front of us and tortures us. <laughs> Bhakti is very confidential, actually. And sometimes the secret glories of bhakti are not exposed. Tomorrow we may speak more about how. Brihad Bhagavatamrita describes that what Bharat Maharaj went through, what Maharaj Niga went through, even what the Pandavas went through in, in gambling, these were great souls 
not actually entangled, but they're just demonstrating to us a lesson. And they're also protecting the confidentiality of bhakti, so that someone will think, oh, they're just ordinary. Look what happened to them. Look what happened to Bart. On the platform, a preliminary love of God, Baba, and he got attached to a deer. What's the use of my performing bhakti? Just see. The Pandavas gambling, losing everything, even their wife. What is this bhakti? <laughs> Maharaj Niga giving so much charity, so many cows, you can't count. Yep, look what happened. A lizard. <sighs> Better worship the devatas. <laughs> Anything else? Yes? If uh, one's son, mom is a devotee and the son is uh, suffering a lot, he decided to take his life away or he decided to suicide himself. And if you're thinking at the time of death, oh, what is this Krishna is doing to my mom? I'm, I'm killing myself. What is the Krishna doing for my mom? If you think like that, where is the Krishna for my mom? I can catch. You heard? She's saying uh, if mother is a devotee and son, due to whatever reason, commits suicide. Who commits suicide? The son commits suicide. Yeah. And the son is thinking, what is Krishna going to do my mother when I'm committing suicide? So that's the question. The mom is losing her only son, what is Krishna doing for mother? So mother is losing the son, and son is committing suicide. So the son is thinking, what is Krishna doing for my mother? That's the question. In other words, the son has no idea of the benefit he'll get because of a mother having a mother being a devotee. Is that it? It is a tragedy, of course, the son committing suicide. But somehow or other, if his mother is a devotee, he must have done some service, knowingly or unknowingly. Just like my mother, sometimes she gives me a donation and she always says this is not for Krishna <laughs> in the days when people would use checks maybe 20 years ago she would send me a check and write you know on the check you can write and she would write on the check for shoes not for Krishna <laughs> And of course, to benefit her, I used the Lakshmi and Krishna's service. And then later, she asked me, you didn't give that money to Krishna, did you? And I just tell her, I gave it to Govinda. <laughs> she doesn't know. Who is Govinda? Okay, as long as it's not to Krishna. Govinda, Hari, Whatever, Keshava, but not Krishna. <laughs> she just knows the uh, some of the names of Krishna because of before she retired as a hospital administrator, many doctors and nurses from India with names like Hari and Keshava. <laughs> so but she doesn't know that they're names of the Supreme Personality Godhead. <laughs> okay, you gave it to 
You're using it for Govinda. That's all right, as long as it's not for Krishna. But she's serving someone who's trying to be a devotee, so unconsciously she'll get credit. That reminds me of something Srila Prabhupada told His Holiness Giraj Maharaj. He wrote him that because it's such a common phenomenon outside of India that the parents of Western devotees have no idea what their children are doing. No idea. But Srila Prabhupada explained that for these parents of such, of these, of such devotees, at their last breath in, in this body, they'll get an insight into the incalculable value that they're getting because one of their children became a devotee at their last breath. So I always tell my mother that. You'll understand one day. <laughs> so what do you mean? What do you mean? <laughs> you'll, you'll understand. There'll come a time when you'll understand. When? How can you say that? There's only one way. Jesus is the only way. <laughs> Yes, way in the back, you have to speak loudly. Thank you so much for amazing lecture. My humble He'll repeat. No, 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 not with your mask. <laughs> I was ready for that one. <laughs> Yes. Um, uh, so if someone is born devotee and, and like, uh, uh, so he is not chanting or anything, but then, uh, but if I, for any reason, if there is Krishna or whatever, uh, if, some, uh, if something is going on where he has to listen to Krishna, Krishna's name, and if he thinks of Krishna, because he is listening to Krishna's name and uh, all the Kathas, Krishna, Kata. If that time he leaves the body, but though he has not chanted or he has not into the devotion, but his consciousness is some other way into Krishna's name. Uh, so how does it comprehend with uh, will he go back to Godhead or is, is his life sort of been served? What I think I hear him saying is someone who's lived a non-devotional life and then somehow at the time of death they're thinking of Krishna. Yes, someone like uh, at the time of that, unintentionally, he listened to Krishna's name. So he's very fortunate. Thank you. <laughs> so his question is basically, will he go back to God if he unintentionally gives? But you see, he couldn't do that without Krishna's sanction. You can't make Krishna into a formula. He does what he likes. And that's another thing you're seeing with Ajamil's history. Krishna's doing what he likes. This is personal. So yes, without Krishna's sanction, no one can remember him at the time of death. So it is possible for someone to have that great fortune. But you shouldn't gamble away your life thinking that way. Well, I have a friend who did nonsense all his life, like a John Meal, and then some or other 
In his last moments, he heard someone reading Ramayana to him. It's not that you should expect what Nectar of Devotion calls an honorary degree. You didn't go to the uni, but some other the university is going to grant you an honorary degree. You're going to, can you base your whole life on that? It happens. Just like someone winning the lottery. Yes, someone wins, but the odds are so against you. The statistics are so much against you. Are you going to base your whole life on, I'll just buy lottery tickets every day, which is gambling. We don't do. <laughs> Who knows? One day I may win. Better to take up the blissful life of devotional service. Don't gamble with your human form of life. The fact is, Krishna is independent. He's personal. Persons have their own personal sweet will. All right. Remembering Krishna's sweet will and Krishna's protection of his devotees, we will end. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna.